Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Friday, the 31st of July. India has registered another record spike of more than 55,000 new COVID-19 cases. With this, the country's tally has climbed up to over 16 lakh. The death toll has also risen to over 35,000 with 779 fresh fatalities. India tested more than 6 lakh samples on Thursday and the health ministry stated that its objective is to raise the testing capacity to 10 lakh tests per day in the medium term. It also said that India's recovery rate has improved to 64.54% and the doubling rate right now is 21 days. In view of the health workers' salaries being delayed, the Supreme Court on Friday directed the centre to ensure that the frontline health workers are paid salaries on time. The centre has told the court that Delhi, Maharashtra, Punjab, Tripura and Karnataka had not complied with its orders on the salaries. The court told the centre, and I quote, You're not helpless. You have to ensure that your order is implemented. Unquote. The top court also told the centre that the quarantine period for health workers cannot be treated as leave. Also, the top court has granted three weeks' time to the state governments to file a reply regarding the compliance of earlier directions in the case relating to the miseries and difficulties faced by migrants across the country following the lockdown. My husband has been taking his auto rickshaw out for a month now but comes home on most days without money. Yesterday also, he roamed the roads and came back with no fare. Rahina Bibi laughs as she says this. Rahina is a domestic worker in Gurugram. She moved to the city in 2008 from Bunyadpur in West Bengal along with her husband. The pandemic has seen multiple instances of domestic workers like Rahina being mistreated. Residents' welfare associations have restricted their return to work even after the government gave them the go-ahead. Not all workers have received their salaries for the lockdown months when they could not go to work. And in Delhi's defence colony, a domestic worker was found weeping on the road when the family that employed her asked her to leave when she tested positive. The images of hundreds of migrant workers walking back home has become emblematic of India's lockdown. This exodus soon turned into a humanitarian crisis with migrant workers starving and dying during their efforts to return home. In April alone, the National Human Rights Commission recorded over 2,500 cases of human rights violations. While for many of us, this might have become a distant memory over the course of months with new challenges hitting us every day, the plight of migrant workers is not over yet. From Chennai to Gurugram, they tell a similar story of poverty, desperation and a government that has left them in the lurch. Do read the moving report by Meghnad, Anna and Monica titled Lockdown Tales from Three Migrants, One Who Left and Never Came Back, One Who Returned and One Who Stayed. You'll find the report on newslaundry.com. Dear listeners, writing reports like these not only requires time and effort but also resources. Now, as you all know, News Laundry is a 100% ad-free news platform. We do not get any money from advertisers, be it the government or private companies. And that is because we strongly believe that in times as polarized as this, the need for independent media organizations that can talk about real issues that concern the public, that is you, is of utmost importance. So please go to our website, check out the stuff we do, and if you think we deserve your support, which costs as little as 300 bucks a month, then please hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website.
The health ministry has announced that now states can denotify containment zones in two weeks from the day the last COVID-19 patient in the area recovers. The move is likely to bring relief to residents of red zones that have been contained for months. In accordance with the centre's Unlock 3 guidelines amidst the coronavirus crisis, the Delhi government has allowed hotels and hospitality services to resume. Night curfew in the capital has been also lifted. However, an unidentified senior Delhi government official said that the decision on opening gymnasiums and yoga centres is yet to be made. In Maharashtra, the pandemic has stymied celebrations for the much-awaited Ganesh Chaturthi celebrations. Brihan Mumbai Municipal Corporation said that the Ganeshotsav mandals in containment zones will have to immerse idols in a metallic tank or something else inside the containment zone itself. People living in buildings that are sealed must immerse their idols at home. In Kolkata, at least 45 Kolkata police personnel have tested positive. With this, over 1,100 personnel in the state police have been infected by the virus. Also, keeping flight restrictions intact, West Bengal extended the restriction on arriving flights to Kolkata from six cities, that is Delhi, Mumbai, Pune, Chennai, Nagpur and Ahmedabad, till the 15th of August. Meanwhile, in states like Odisha, Rajasthan, Telangana, including West Bengal, COVID-19 cases are rising steeply. In the Rafale jet deal, former Air Chief Marshal B.S. Thanoa on Friday dismissed claims that the Rafale fighter jets inducted by the Indian Air Force this week had no chance against China's J-20 stealth fighter. This comes after there were claims made by an expert in Chinese Communist Party's tabloid Global Times that said that the Rafale was only superior to the IAF Sukhoi-30 jets but a generation below China's J-20 fighter jets. Danoa, who has described the 4.5-generation Rafale fighter jets as a game-changer for the IAF, responded to the Chinese claim with two simple questions. The questions he had for the Chinese were, and I quote, If the J-20, also called the Mighty Dragon, is indeed a fifth-generation stealth fighter, then why does it have canards, while genuine fifth-generation fighters such as US's F-22 and F-36 and Russian fifth-generation Sukhoi-57 don't, and why can't the J-20 supercruise if it is really a fifth-generation fighter, as its manufacturer Chengdu Airspace Corporation calls it? Unquote. Dhanoa has flown top-of-the-line Indian fighter aircrafts, including Sukhoi-30. He was the man responsible for targeting Pakistani intruders in Dras, Kargil and Batalik Heights, and he also spearheaded the Balakot airstrikes along with National Security Advisor Ajit Doval. Incidentally, India is expected to get 12 more Sukhoi-30 jets and 21 MiG-29s next year from Russia. According to diplomats based in Moscow, the Sukhoi-30 will look better, shoot better and fight better. The MiG-29 will be used for setting up a new squadron in Jamnanagar in Gujarat and will have the same capability as the MiG-29 that India currently has. In 2001, Tehelka had conducted Operation West End a sting operation to expose the defence deals of the then-governing NDA alliance led by the BJP. The special correspondents of the magazine filmed several corrupt defence officials and politicians of the NDA government, including former BJP president the late Bangaru Lakshman and Samta Party leader Jaya Jaitley. The operation took seven and a half months to complete. Nineteen years later, just yesterday in fact, Jaya Jaitley and two others were sentenced to four years in prison in the same corruption case. In his latest interview, Abhinandan Sekri spoke to Aniruddha Behel, the founder and editor-in-chief of Cobra Post and also a co-founder of Tehelka.
The duo talk about Operation West End, its repercussions and the role of state and the judiciary. Behel recalls being arrested and how Tehelka was hounded by the establishment, but he believes that is the nature of the beast that is the state. He says, if you rile up powerful people, he points out, there will be a pushback. Do watch the complete interview on our website, newslaundry.com. Following a clash in eastern Ladakh's Galwan Valley last month in which 20 Indian soldiers died in the line of duty, China warned on Thursday that a forced decoupling of its economy with India would hurt both the countries. Sun Weidong, the Chinese ambassador, said that China was not a strategic threat to India and that the general structure that we can't live without each other remains unchanged. The statement came after the central government's recent moves to ban Chinese applications, even as a de facto border, the line of actual control, remains tense. Weidong wrote on Twitter, and I quote, China advocates win-win cooperation and opposes a zero-sum game. Our economies are highly complementary, interwoven and interdependent. Forced decoupling is against the trend and will only lead to a lose-lose outcome. Unquote. While the officials say Chinese troops have intruded onto India's territory in the remote western region, China, however, claims that it has not breached the LAC. The Ministry of External Affairs also said that a troops' disengagement process, as agreed by both the sides, had yet to be completed and that another round of commander-level talks would be held soon. Diplomatic and military officials of the nuclear-armed neighbours have been talking regularly to de-escalate the standoff after the 15th of June clash in the Galwan Valley. Earlier this month, China and India also started the disengagement process, pulling back troops from the line of actual control. This was after the National Security Advisor Ajit Doval and Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, who had a telephonic conversation, agreed that both sides should strictly respect and observe the line of actual control. The political rifts in Rajasthan continue to deepen. Satish Punya, who heads the BJP in Rajasthan, has demanded that the Assembly Speaker C.P. Joshi should resign from his post on moral grounds as his political leaning of saving the Ashok Gehlot-led Congress government had been exposed. He made the demand following the surfacing of a viral video where Joshi and Chief Minister Gehlot's son, Webov Gehlot, were found to be discussing the ongoing political turmoil in the desert state. In the video, the speaker is purportedly heard saying that if 30 members of the Rajasthan Legislative Assembly would have quit, then the crisis would have deepened. He alluded to the situation as tough and hinted at the collapse of the Gehlot government. Punia alleged that the conversation has sullied the reputation of the office of the speaker, who appeared more concerned about saving the Congress government at the expense of his constitutional authority. Punya further alleged that his political inclination towards the Congress was on display and that he flouted his constitutional obligation. He said that the Speaker has to rise above party politics and play an impartial role in legislative proceedings. He also urged Joshi to come clean on the veracity of the viral video. The state BJP chief remarked, and I quote, It is inappropriate for him to hold on to the post. He needs to maintain the dignity and neutrality of the House and must step down on moral grounds. Unquote. After heavy rains and subsequent floods caused havoc in Assam, Bihar and Kerala, now it is Uttarakhand. One person died and two others of the same family are feared to be dead. They were buried under the debris of their house which collapsed due to heavy rains at Kunjapuri in Uttarakhand's Tehri Garwal district today early morning. An operation has been launched by the State Disaster Response Force and police personnel to retrieve the bodies of the two other people. Praveen Alok, media in charge of the SDRF, said, and I quote, 
The house collapsed at around 5 a.m. while three persons of a family, including two women and a boy, were sleeping following heavy overnight rains. Unquote. SDRF personnel have also rescued more people after rainwater gushed into their houses at Dehradun's Raipur neighborhood late at night on Thursday. Thankfully, no injuries have been reported in the incident. At least 15 people have died in Uttarakhand in the past one week in various incidents of collapsed houses and landslides caused by heavy rains across the hill state. And now for some international updates. With the global coronavirus count crossing 17 million and the death toll crossing 670,000, the World Health Organization chief Dr. Tedros said that careless young people were driving the surge in COVID-19 cases across the world. Meanwhile, Dr. Anthony Fauci, US's infectious disease expert, has said that India's private sector will have a key role to play in developing a vaccine against COVID-19. He said, and I quote, India's manufacturing capabilities are going to be very important. We have made it clear that all tests on vaccines will have to meet regulatory standards and include all ethical review and strong data monitoring and safety boards, unquote. In its sharpest contraction since the Second World War, government figures revealed on Thursday that the U.S. economy shrank by an annual rate of 32.9% between April and June. The annualized figure is the largest drop in quarterly gross domestic product, or GDP, the broadcast measure of the economy, since the records began in 1945. Economists expect the rate to improve sharply later this year, but the outlook has been clouded by the recent rise in infections across the US. Also, in other news, President Trump has said that the closing of schools across the country was causing death. In his cryptic statement, he said, and I quote, Keeping them out of school and keeping work closed is causing death also. Economic harm, but it is also causing death for different reasons, but death. Probably more death. Unquote. Meanwhile, China recorded its highest daily total of new COVID-19 cases since early March, the vast majority of them being in the northwestern region of Xinjiang. Also, Brazil's first lady, Michelle Bolsonaro, has tested positive for COVID-19. This comes five days after her husband, President Bolsonaro, said he was over his illness. It began with Xi in China extending his presidential tenure, followed by Putin, who did the same recently, and now it is the US President Donald Trump who has proposed delaying November's presidential elections. He cited his concern for the safety of citizens while simultaneously pushing schools to reopen. However, Trump's primary and clearly false claim is that widespread voting by mail from home would result in a fraudulent result. Trump made the contentious proposal, which is not within his power to order, in a Thursday morning tweet as the country reeled from disastrous economic news and over 150,000 COVID deaths. The tweet said, and I quote, Delay the election until people can properly, securely and safely vote? Question mark. Unquote. It didn't take long for experts and critics, as well as high-profile members of his own party, to rubbish his suggestions. The U.S. Constitution grants the power to set an election date to the Congress and not to the President. Under a law dating back to 1845, the U.S. presidential election is slated for the Tuesday after the first Monday of November every four years. It would take an act of Congress approved by majorities in the Democratic-controlled House of Representatives and the Republic-controlled Senate to change that. 
At a White House press briefing later on Thursday, Trump denied that he wanted the election to be postponed but again questioned mail-in voting, insisting that he did not want to have to wait for three months and then find out that the ballots are all missing and the election doesn't mean anything. He added, and I quote, Do I want to see a date change? No. But I don't want to see a crooked election. This election will be the most rigged election in history if that happens. Unquote. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.